the original writings, it's so amazing who God designed us to be. And so I just want to review that definition one more time. Let it sink into your hearts. To be virtuous literally means to be a force on the earth, a force of people, wealth, and resources, which is a source of strength or ability within oneself. Inner resources, something ready for use and available as needed. To be resourceful, it means to be an army. It means to have virtue, which is general moral excellence, goodness of character. It means to be effective and powerful, especially healing power as of a medicine, that our lives can literally bring healing to people around us. It means to do what has to be done as if one really wanted to. It means valor, great courage and bravery, strength, able and active, to be a band of soldiers, a great company, a host, might, power, substance, valiant, warlike, and worthy. That is who God created every one of us to be. This amazingly powerful woman that is this force on the earth that's connected with other women going forward, fulfilling God's plans and purposes on this earth. He's created us to be this one that's full of strength, full of bravery, that's courageous, that recognizes her worth, not one that questions our worth, but one that really recognizes I am valuable and God has things he wants to do, not just in me, but through me. That's who God designed us to be, that woman who recognizes all of this, recognizes truly who he made us to be. And throughout this passage of scripture in Proverbs 31, it just walks this out and shows us how to do this in everyday life. How, we see how this unfolds in all different areas of our lives. And so today, since we've been going through this verse by verse, today we are on verse 21. And so if you've got your Bibles, you can follow along. If not, the verses will be on the screens. But Proverbs 31, verse 21, it says, She is not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household is clothed with scarlet. Now, you might read that and go, Oh, yeah, I don't have to fear the snow. I live in California. <laughs> That's not exactly what it's talking about. And we like to kind of dissect the verses as we go through this study. And verse 21, it's really talking about a woman who does not fear the external elements. Okay? Think about snow. The external elements, the storms, the cold, the winter seasons of life things that we have no control over. This is a woman that does not fear those things or how they will affect her family because she knows that no matter what, her household, including herself, her family, her household is clothed in scarlet. Now, what does that mean, to be clothed in scarlet? That's really where we want to focus for a few moments because this is really the key word in this verse, this scarlet. Do you know that in this verse, the word scarlet, it's literally referring to an insect? Actually, it's literally a specific species of worm. It's a female worm which produced the dye to make that scarlet or crimson color. 
Now that's probably not what you were expecting the word scarlet to mean. <laughs> but it's actually extremely significant because there is another place in the Bible where this specific species of worm, this female worm that produced this scarlet dye, there's another place in the Bible where this very worm is referred to. And it's found in Psalm 22. And I want us to take a minute and look there. Psalm 22 is a prophetic psalm, and it's speaking about the crucifixion of Jesus. And it prophesies the very words of Jesus on the cross, many of which are quoted throughout the Gospels. But in verse 6 of Psalm 22, speaking of Jesus on the cross, it says this, But I am a worm and no man, a reproach of men and despised by the people. That word there, speaking of Jesus himself, that word worm, it's this same worm that's referred to here in Psalm 31, verse uh, Proverbs 31, verse 21. It's speaking of that same worm that produced that scarlet dye. In other words, Jesus himself is saying, now I am the one who, because of my death on the cross, produces true scarlet for you to be clothed in. And I want you to really grab a hold of this. And in order to do that, I need to give you a little picture here of what happens with this worm. You see, when that female worm is ready to give birth to her young, she attaches her body to the trunk of a tree. And it says that she so firmly attaches herself to that tree trunk that it's like she seals herself onto there and she's attached permanently. She can no longer move. That is where she will remain for the rest of her living days. And then her eggs are deposited beneath her body there on that tree. And so she's sealed around those eggs, bringing protection to them. And then when the larva is ready to hatch and begin its own life cycle, that mother dies simultaneously. So new life comes forth. And as the life leaves her body, her body produces this scarlet dye that stains her body and stains the tree around her. And it's from these dead worms that was they, they used to extract this dye to create that scarlet and crimson dye of old that dyed the threads to make the garments. That is where it came from. But what a picture that gives us of Christ dying on the tree, on that cross for us, that through his death, we come into life in him. We experience life in him, his blood being shed for us. And now as we accept his sacrifice, we are clothed in scarlet. And that's what's being referred to in this verse here in Proverbs 31. This is a woman who knows that she and her family are clothed in the blood of Jesus. And you know, Jesus shed his blood 
on that cross of Calvary for every single one of us, every person. And it was not just for our sins. It wasn't just to take the penalty for our sins so that we can spend eternity in heaven, although that is part of it. But it wasn't just for that alone. He shed his blood for us so that we can here on this earth live daily in relationship with him, in genuine relationship where we come to know him as our friend, as our counselor, as our protector, as our provider, as our sufficiency, as our source for all that we need in life. And that act on that cross of Calvary was a demonstration of perfect, pure love for every one of us. And did you know that 1 John chapter 4 and verse 18, it says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love, has not matured in love, has not been fulfilled in love, has not yet come to the full knowledge, full experience and understanding of God's amazing love that was poured out. You see, this is talking about a woman who really has that revelation, who lives daily in that revelation of God's amazing love for her. What he's done on that cross of Calvary, not just for her, but for each and every one of her family members. So she knows she does not have to fear about anything for her household, for her family. No matter what snow might come, no matter what snowstorm, no matter what unexpected thing that we don't have control over might come. This is talking about a woman who has such a real revelation of God's amazing love and all that he accomplished on Calvary that she knows that she and her family are clothed in the blood of Jesus and he will protect them. Because of that blood that was shed, there is a covenant there and she knows that he's their protector, their provider, their source for absolutely everything. She lives with that constant awareness in her life. So she can entrust her family to God. She recognizes that if Jesus died for them, certainly she can trust him with them. Whether it's her children, her parents, her spouse, her siblings, whoever it is, she can trust God with them and with their lives. And so as we've been going through this study, we've, we're looking at each verse, but we're also looking at the fact that this passage of scripture was written as a biblical acrostic, right? And so we've seen that in the original writing, each verse began with the next consecutive letter in the Hebrew alphabet. And each letter of the Hebrew alphabet was derived from a word picture. And it's been really amazing to see how that word picture directly corresponds with what's being communicated in the verse. And so let's just take a moment and look at that. Verse 21 is the 12th letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And it's a picture of an ox goad. Does anyone in the room know what an ox goad is? <laughs> 
Yeah, that's what I thought. Join the club? I didn't either, but now I do, so I'll tell you. <laughs> An ox goat is the stick with a pointed end that was used for driving the oxen in that day. It was something used to, to encourage them on, to spur them forward to drive them on ahead, the stimulus to get them going in the right direction. So you might be thinking, okay, but how does that apply to this verse and how does that apply to me? Well, you see, we are to be women who not only trust God with our families so that we don't have to fear for them, we live in complete trust of Him, not fearing for our families, but then, once we do that, that doesn't mean that we can just say, okay, well, God, you're in charge, so whatever happens, happens, and I can just do my own thing. No, it means that we recognize that we have a part. We have a responsibility in the way we live as well. And the way we live can actually be that ox goad that very lovingly encourages them forward in the right direction. First and foremost, we entrust them to God, but then we also live in a manner that continually encourages them to move toward Him, to move in that direction. Does that make sense? All right. Well, now that we have a little bit more understanding of that verse, which is great to have, but we don't want to leave here just saying, okay, the verse makes a little more sense to me now. We want to know how to apply it. We don't want to be women who just know who God created us to be. We want to be the women he created us to be, right? So we need to figure out how do we apply this to our lives? Because there's so many different family scenarios, so many different situations with family members. And in this room, if we took time to go around the room, we would hear all different types of scenarios and circumstances and things happening with family members. And sometimes it can be a little difficult to trust God with our family members, with our household. There might be things going on. It's like, how do I do this? How do I trust God in this situation? So I want us just to break this down and just apply it to some different scenarios so that we can put it to work in our lives. We need to not just know the word, but work the word into our daily lives. So let's talk about a few different scenarios. Maybe you're, you've got family members that don't know the Lord, and you're believing for them to come to the Lord. Can I just tell you, you don't need to live in fear. We do not need to be women who fear for our household. God did not design us to be women who fear. We need to trust God. We need to know that if He loves them so very much that Jesus gave His life for them, then most certainly he's going to continue going to great lengths to draw them to him. But then we also need to recognize our part in that. First, we trust God with their life, first and foremost. But then we recognize that if we are in their life, we just might be the tool, we just might be the ox code that God wants to use to encourage them 
toward him. And so we need to recognize how we're living, what our example is to them. What are we doing to share God with them? Now, that ox goad was used to gently tap the ox. It wasn't used to beat the ox. <laughs> so we need to be women that aren't beating people up with the word of God, that aren't trying to put them in bondage and shove it down their throats. No, that's not how God works. He's a loving, heavenly Father, and He wants His love to flood through us onto them. And so we need to just be recognizing, what is my life saying to them? Is my life showing His love to them? Is my life letting His goodness pour out into their life? Because the Bible says it's the goodness of God that leads people to repentance. So is His goodness flooding through us onto those family members that we're believing to come to the Lord? We need to be that loving ox goat that just encourages them forward and then trust God with their lives. And we need to be willing to watch for those opportunities when God does create that open door for us to just share with them how wonderful He is, what He's done in our lives, and look for those opportunities and follow His leading. But we don't have to fear. We can trust our families to God. Maybe you've been believing for, for healing, whether it's physical, mental, emotional, deliverance for a family member that's really going through something right now. The enemy would want you to be wrought up in fear over it. Ladies, God did not design you to live in fear. Whatever snowstorm might come, don't fear. We can put our hope and trust and confidence in God. He loves us. He shed his blood for us. He says, you're clothed in scarlet. You're clothed in my blood, his blood. And so we need to be praying for those family members. Absolutely. We need to be trusting him. We need to be encouraging them with the word, of course. But ultimately, our trust is in him. And we can rest in the fact that he sees the big picture, that he's God, that he knows what he's doing. And we may not always see answers in our timing or in exactly the way we want to. But we don't have to live in fear because we can trust God with our families. Let's talk about some different roles that we carry in our families. What about the role of a daughter? All of us in this place are daughters. And maybe, maybe you're a young girl in this place. Maybe you're, you don't have a family of your own yet. Maybe you're still living with your parents. What an awesome opportunity to be that light there in your home. Did you know that you hold an incredibly powerful place in your family as a daughter? I cannot begin to tell you how many stories I have heard of parents who have said they came to the Lord because of one of their children. 
we hold a powerful place in our families as daughter, no matter what our age is. There is nothing that melts a parent's heart more than a loving child and a child letting God's love flood through them. No matter what our age is, we can always remember that God designed us to be this amazing, virtuous woman who is strong, who is courageous, who is full of his power and his love and his goodness in our homes with our parents, with whatever family members are around us. And so sometimes, would probably never happen to anyone in this room, but sometimes family members, some people have family members that could get on their nerves, not you, but, <laughs> but sometimes there are interesting things and tensions that happen in, in family relationships. Sometimes with parent relationships at whatever age. But you know what? We need to be that woman, as we talked about a couple of weeks ago, that chooses God's strength rather than our weakness. Because our weakness says, I'm so frustrated, and takes out frustration on that person. My weakness lashes out, says whatever I feel like, saying my weakness caves into my flesh. But when I choose God's strength, it says, mm, bite my tongue and choose to let God's love flood through me onto that person. In our family relationships, we need to remember to choose God's strength, not our weakness. How about in your roles as moms? Many of you in this room are moms. Moms, God did not design you to live in fear for your children. He designed you to be a woman who will totally trust him with your kids and trusting your kids into his hands and then simply live in a way that will help guide and direct them closer to him. So let your kids see you talking to God. Let your kids see you walking out relationship with God every day, leaning on God, relying on him, calling on him, even in the midst of challenges. Let them see you admitting to it when you've blown it. Maybe you lost your patience with them. Apologize. Ask for their forgiveness. That's okay. Do you know they need to see that? They don't need to see you giving them a picture of perfection. And none of us are perfect. And neither are they. And so they need to see that. They don't need a picture of perfection. Can you imagine if all we're ever trying to give them is a picture of perfection, what pressure that puts on them to return perfection? Which they can't. None of us can. They need to see a picture of your humanity that is totally relying on God and trusting God. That's what will give them that example of how to do it for their lives, that they can rely on him in everything. Do you want them to be kids that are rooted in church? Do you want them to, to be excited about going to church, about someday uh, having your grandchildren planted in church for them being a family that's rooted in the house of God, serving God? 
What example are you giving them? Are you excited about coming to church? Are you excited about serving in church? Let that example come from you. Remember, you're that ox goat that's encouraging them forward in God. More than anything, it's our example, our lifestyle, our words, our attitudes that become that ox goat that help steer them to God. And you know, although children are definitely one of the great priorities in our lives, we also need to be very careful that they don't completely become our life. I have seen several times women who have been utterly devastated, completely fallen apart, gone into severe depression when their children moved away. Are we really trusting God with their life when that is our response? We need to realize that they are clothed in scarlet. Jesus died for them. We don't have to fear for them. We don't have to fear for us without them. We are clothed in the blood of Jesus. He's got plans and purposes for all of us, and he, he protects us. It's part of our covenant. So we can trust that he's going to protect them wherever they go. And then we also need to realize that if Jesus died for them, then he wants to work in them and through them. He has purposes for them on this earth, and we need to be cheering them on to move forward in those things. We don't have to live in fear. Maybe you've got children or a child who seems to have gone astray recently. Maybe you're really concerned about some choices that they're making or the path that they're on. Ladies, trust God. Trust him with that child. Don't fear. Don't give in to fear. Fear will cause us to want to take control, to take charge, to change everything, to make it all right. But we can't live their lives for them. We can't make their choices for them. First and foremost, we need to trust God and then not fear so that we are being that one that's encouraging them, that can speak the godly wisdom into their lives in a loving way, but is not trying to control and manipulate their circumstances of their life. Did you know that fear generally produces controlling and manipulating behavior? Here's a little nugget for you today. Think about it. When we are fearful of potential outcome, it might be something unknown. I might not know what to do. I, it might be something I'm not comfortable with. It might be something I don't like. If we're fearful of that potential outcome, what do we do? We try to manipulate the circumstance. We try to control the situation so that the outcome is something we like, is something we're comfortable with, so that we achieve our desired outcome 
Ladies, we need to be so careful and realize what fear will produce in our lives. We're not designed to be women who fear for our families, fear for our households. We're designed to be women who are so confident in God and rest in his assurance that he is at work and he loves our families and takes care of them more and better than we ever could. But we've got to be so careful of what that behavior, that fear would try to produce. Did you know that moms have been controlling and manipulating for centuries? It's nothing new, even in the Bible. In Matthew 20, we see that two of Jesus' disciples are James and John, the sons of Zebedee. And Jesus is talking and he's predicting his resurrection. Well, James and John's mother, she asks if she can talk to Jesus. Can I talk to you? And she pulls him aside from the crowd. And she says, now, when you ascend, I think my sons should be on one on your right and one on your left. They should have those seats there. Read it. <laughs> this is what it says. <laughs> and I could just imagine Jesus. Seriously, lady? Come on. <laughs> and how often do we try to do things to manipulate situations, circumstances? We need to recognize what we're trying to do, what our behavior is. Is our behavior showing that we completely trust God? We can put our families in God's hands and trust him completely. What about in your role as a wife? We can trust God with our husbands and with our own lives as well. We can trust God with our marriage. And you know, when we do, it really takes pressure off of us because we don't have to try to control them. We don't have to try to get them to be what we want them to be because we recognize that that's their responsibility. That's between them and God. And what they are or what they are not is not what brings our joy, our peace, our fulfillment, our security, because we're designed to get that from God, to know that he is our source for absolutely everything and to live in that security, in that reality. And I know it's easier said than done. I know you're sitting there thinking that right now. <laughs> I know it is easier said than done, but I also know that it is very possible to live in that place. And God designed us to be women that would live with that strong sense of security in him, that we can live in that place. We are not designed to live in fear for our household. So what is going on in your household with your husband if you're here and you're married? Maybe you're believing for your husband's salvation. Can I just tell you, do not give up and do not fear. My husband's family is a great example of this because Gary's mom, she served God 
year after year after year, so consistently raised her kids in church. She was involved in church, had the kids involved in church, and her husband did not have a relationship with God, was not serving God. And she trusted him into God's hands. She trusted God with her husband. And then she just continually lived that life that was that loving example that encouraged him forward. And eventually, after many years, he came to the Lord. Thank God she did not give up. Thank God she didn't get wrought up in fear. She trusted God. Don't give up. I know a woman who lived more than 40 years in extreme fear over the finances for her household. And you know what? That fear robbed her peace, her joy. It robbed life from her. But do you know, I know another woman who was married, had children, and one day her husband decided he didn't want to be married anymore. And he kicked her out of the house, changed the locks, took her name off of all bank accounts, and gave her $250. That was all she had to her name. And she made the choice for herself that she did not want to fight. She did not want to make things ugly. And so there she was with her $250, and she knew this $250 is not going to last very long, and it's not going to go very far. But she thought, if I can invest this, it can make a difference for my future. And she knew that the best investment was to sow it into God's kingdom. So she took that entire $250, and she sowed it into an organization that supported orphans. You might think, wow, that's crazy. That's where her faith was. She knew she was clothed in scarlet. She knew that God was her provider, her source for everything. She lived with such a confident assurance of that. She said, okay, God, my life's in your hands. She sowed that money. And do you know that for over 25 years now, God has so supernaturally, miraculously provided for her day after day after day after day. She lives as this woman that trusts God for her household. We can be women that live in that place. God did not design us to live in fear. And when we choose to trust, it opens the doors for him to do amazing things in our lives. Maybe you're here today and your marriage is in turmoil. Maybe you're fearful. Maybe you're wondering what's going to happen. You're thinking there's so many unknowns. Do not fear. Don't fear. God is with you no matter what. Talk to him every step of the way, every day. Trust him with your husband. Trust him with your marriage. And then do the things that you know to do. Do the things that he leads and directs you to do. And trust I can't tell you how many marriages I've seen 
where there's been two people trusting God, willing to let him work in their lives, and he has done such miraculous healing and restoration of those marriages. Don't give up. Don't live in fear. But ladies, I also know that there are those occasions where there are not two people willing to trust a God, that there are not two people willing to let him work in their lives and in that marriage. And there are times where there isn't that restoration of the marriage. And maybe you've been there. Maybe you've walked that path before. I've walked that path before. I've been there personally. And when I was a young adult, found myself in that very, very scary place with so many unknowns, so many what ifs ahead of me. But can I tell you that God walked with me through every unknown, through every scary thing, through every what if. And through that process, he taught me how to trust him as my source for absolutely everything, as I never had before. He taught me how to forgive with a supernatural forgiveness that only comes from him when it felt completely impossible in my humanity. He taught me how to take one step at a time, one day at a time, when the snowstorm was so bad I couldn't see where I was walking. I didn't know what was ahead. He taught me how to live where I drew every bit of my fulfillment from him and him alone. And was it a, a challenging process? Of course. But I could trust God, and he walked me through every step of the way. And I stand on the other side having more blessings in my life, a more wonderful life than I could have ever dreamed of, a more amazing marriage than I ever dreamed possible, more fulfillment in my life than I ever knew was possible. I was willing to trust God, and he walked me through. And I stand here to tell you, no matter what snowstorm comes your way in your life, Whatever the circumstance, whether it's something going on with your kids, whether it's something in your marriage, no matter what it is, ladies, we do not have to live in fear. I am living proof that he will take care of us. He will bring us through. He will never leave us or forsake us for a minute. He is with us every single step of the way. We can completely trust him with our lives, with our families, with our household. And we can be that woman that does not fear, 
because she knows that she and her family are clothed in scarlet. I want us to pray together this morning. Would you just close your eyes just where you're at and, and maybe there is something in your life that maybe something in your family that you've been fearing. Maybe it's a situation going on with kids or, or with your husband or with extended family members or maybe there's something that you just haven't given to God or you haven't been trusting him. And today you just want to say, Father, I want to start trusting you. I know that you died for me. I know that you shed your blood for me. I know that you are with me and you will not let me down. And so, Father, I want to give this to you. Whatever that is, you know what, just put it, cup your hands out in front of you. And just whatever that is that you haven't been trusting him with, just put it there as a symbol in those hands in front of you. And Father, you see all of the things represented in this room right here. And God, you know each and every woman so intimately. You know every detail of their lives. And Father, right now, I just pray that as they make the choice to release the fear, to release these areas where they haven't trusted you, God, that you will help them to walk in a new level of trust and confidence in you that you are at work. And right now, ladies, just throw your hands up to heaven. God, whatever's in our hands, we just throw it to you. We just cast it over on you right now, and we lift our hands and surrender to you. And God, we just ask that you would just infuse us with your strength. Help us to be this woman you've designed us to be who does not fear, but who trusts confidently in you, knowing that your blood was shed for us and for every family member, for our households. We will not fear. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen, amen. You know what? I just want to take a moment, just pray one more prayer. Maybe you're here today and you never knew that Jesus loved you so much that he died for you. Maybe you never realized that you can fix your trust and your confidence in him. You know, the Bible says that all we have to do is ask God to come and let him know that we want to surrender our lives to him and then we can begin a relationship with him. It says, call on the name of the Lord and you shall be saved. Saved, it's literally talking about being saved from the punishment of our sins so we can spend eternity in heaven, but also being saved from trying to live this life all on our own being able to walk every day in genuine relationship with him. And so if that's you here today and you've never experienced your own personal relationship with God, I think it's time to call on him. And if in your heart, if you say, yeah, that's me, 
I want to call on him. I want to start a relationship with him. I just want to encourage you right now, we're all, while eyes are bowed and uh, uh, heads are bowed and eyes are closed, if you just within your own heart, in your own words, just say, Father, I thank you that you sent Jesus to die for me. And right now, I ask Jesus to be Lord of my life, and I surrender my life to you. Just pray a simple prayer like that within your own heart. Surrender your life and ask Jesus to become the Lord of your life. And as you pray that prayer from your heart, he hears that prayer and he comes and he comes to dwell in you and to live every day forward with you. And Father, I pray right now for those that have just prayed that prayer in their hearts, or maybe even those that have just said, God, I want to get back on track with you. Father, I just pray right now that you will help them to grow in relationship with you. Give them insight and understanding into your incredible love for them, into your word, God, so that they can grow and go forward in you. In Jesus' name, amen.